standard issue for all women. Hey guys, it was International Men's Day on Tuesday of this week, so as with previous years, we decided to let men talk for an entire week, because gender inequality is rubbish for everyone, and fair's fair, it's not like they get to do much talking usually, is it? Not here, anyway. If you've not been tuned in this week, man, have we got a back catalogue for you. Hannah and Mickey spoke to Patterson Joseph, star of The Old Vic's A Christmas Carol, about the timeless appeal of Dickens, Peep Show, The Leftovers, and why he won't be answering any more questions about being an actor of colour. Hannah and I chatted to main dude at BBC News at Six, journalist and author of The Burning Land, George Alagaya, about living through momentous times and the relentlessness of news. And... We also spoke to comedy writer and actor Chris Addison and political activist Femi Olawole about the macho state, as in like, yeah, the state of it, of politics at the moment. Also, Mick spoke to Rich Wilson, comedian and host of excellent podcast Insane in the Men Brain, to talk putting the men into mental health, treating yourself as an ongoing project and the wrong time to helicopter. Still to come, because there is more... Still, I'll be nattering to Lem Sisse, poet, broadcaster and author of the Sunday Times bestseller My Name Is Why about a childhood in the care system and listening to others and Mick will be chatting to business boss Dan Atkins about his new project Buses for Homeless. I need a lie down. If you do too, after listening to that intro, can I please suggest that you do so while listening to this chat I had with Chris Spencer, a.k.a. Cold War Steve, or at least the man behind Cold War Steve, about finding solace in a hellscape and fighting for Bungle, as you do. Enjoy. Now, listener, I want you to picture the scene. Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, Vladimir Putin, Jacob Rees-Mogg, and Kim Jong-un standing at the urinals, the latter wazzing into a giant Sports Direct mug, while Peter Beardsley sweeps up a pile of shoes, and Phil Mitchell looks on sternly. If you can imagine that. If you can't, I, I, I can tell you exactly where you can go and see this. I am delighted to be joined on the phone by Chris Spencer, who you may know best as Cold War Steve, or at least the man behind Cold War Steve. Chris, thank you so much for talking to me. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Thank you for that introduction. Oh, no, I was, I was looking this morning and that was that was the most recent one. That's fresh. That's a really fresh one. Yeah. One. I was I, I sort of lost for words, really, which is kind of how I feel every time I look at your Twitter page. But <laughs> it's just... I think my, my most recent comment on one of them was, breathtaking which is it is basically how i feel uh when when i see your artwork so could you tell me first of all please chris what or indeed who is cold war steve for the listeners who may not be familiar with your excellent, with excellent cold war steve cold war steve was originally um steve mcfadden phil mitchell in eastenders that's where the steve comes from and i basically just started out putting him into historical cold war scenes just for, for fun really but it seemed to um be quite popular with people and it's grown from that and evolved with obviously the all the political landscape at the moment it's um fertile ground for for satire and stuff and it's grown into to this beast that it is now and, and what a beast it is i mean i've, I've got it is we'll come back to that because you've you've from those early days you've been up to quite a lot of stuff but can you tell me how did it come about and why did phil mitchell resonate with you 
in such a way. And, and why does Phil Mitchell resonate with with the public? Yeah, he doesn't. He's, he's I mean, he's a Steve McFad himself is 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 um, a brilliant actor first and foremost, and but the, he just lends himself to scenes so well, particularly if he's slumped over a, a railing with a bottle of whiskey in his hand or something. <laughs> And he just seems to, to fit the scene so well, uh, in a incongruous kind of way, but also in a quite pitiful way as well. Um, but now he's—I mean, I'm stuck with him now. I can't—I can't get rid of him, which is which is okay. But I think now he's—I've said that he's me in the pieces almost. He's—you know—that's why he's often looking aghast at what's happening around him. So he's—he's he's kind of me in the pieces now. Still not heard whether or not he knows or likes what I do. I was <laughs> going to bit... ask. I was going to ask. Yeah. It's what people ask because, I mean, he must know because... I mean, uh... you're everywhere at the moment, so it would be <laughs> oh, hard to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's big billboards and everything. but And also that his fellow cast members on EastEnders follow me as well. So I'm, I'm guessing that they must at some point say, have you seen this, Steve? Which I think is quite nice that I've not actually heard anything from him or had a cease and desist or anything. So, so he's <laughs> he's turning on the Christmas lights near me, a place called Chelmsley Wood, which is a, a couple of miles from me. So that would be an you know ideal opportunity for me to maybe go and introduce myself, but I'm not going to because I'm too scared. Ah, oh, what what an opportunity <laughs> there! I saw him in Panto actually around your in Birmingham. Um... Yeah, a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah. Did you go to that? Did you go and check him no, out as the no, king no. of rats? No, no. But people, <laughs> local West Midlanders, were sending me pictures all the time of like, look, here's Steve McFadden on his bike <laughs> going through Kings Norton, or look, his there's some lovely pictures of him in the um, Sea Life Centre in Birmingham, uh, and he's he's, he's sort of grinning in front of the penguin enclosure and stuff. So, um, Could, can you use that? If it's not him as Phil Mitchell, would that be allowed? I've used him out of character a few times, usually on his bike, but not not all that often. Because he, 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 in real life, he smiles and looks quite pleasant, mm. <laughs> which wouldn't really sit amongst my uh, my hellscapes. No, hellscape is, is is a wonderful way of putting it. Sorry, can you hear my dog Toby the sausage dog? He's he's, <gasps> he's quite demanding. Oh, my favourite. I love them. Has he ever made it into... Uh... He hasn't made it into a hellscape, but he's made it into... Uh, had a big commission for the Scottish National Gallery of, of Modern Art. And there wasn't much of a brief there, but looking at the, the location of where the billboard was, which is outside of this beautiful building and beautiful grounds, and I, I didn't want to... I, I didn't feel like putting one of my usual nightmarish scenes in such a, <laughs> such a nice location. So I thought, I'll t- sort of twist it around and for a one and only time, I did one that was just contained people that I see as, as, as positive Britons, you know, celebrating the rich diversity in, in, in this country. And so Toby's there right in the middle. Amazing. I think he's being petted by Professor Brian Cox. <laughs> that, that is... If you ever see that and you look look at Brian Cox, he's... he's, he's it's just giving Toby a little stroke. Just about to give Toby a pat on the head. Yeah. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> so you make these collages. I, I've, I've read that you started this, you would make them on your phone, 
on the way to work as a probation officer. So you've got two published books and a cover of Time magazine in your arsenal now and, and, and much more besides, as you've just said, you know, at the Scottish National Gallery, etc., etc. This must all seem a bit bonkers, right? Yeah, you could say that just a bit. It's, it, occasionally I'll be, I'll be thinking, um, what on earth is going on? You know, is this some sort of really surreal dream? But, I mean, it's brilliant. It really is, but it, it's... And it's because it's happened so quickly as well, I haven't fully got my head around <laughs> what's happening with it. But I did, yeah. I, I was just making them on my phone on the, on the way to work. Um, obviously, it's a bit more technical now. I have to, to do big pieces and stuff like that. But that's that's where it, where it all began. And I keep thinking, you know, this time last year, I was waiting at the, the bus stop in the rain having managed to get together the bus fare from you know, raiding kids' piggy banks and stuff like that, you know, to being on stage at the National Gallery with Jeremy Della or, or having direct messages with Ricky Gervais. It's just bizarre. Because you were, I, I gather you're on sort of unpaid leave at the moment, so you're taking a bit of a hiatus from your, your job yeah. as a probation officer because you're sort of concentrating on this. Do you have, like, an arts background? Well, I went to art, art college and, and throughout school and everything. That was my passion and, mm. and what I envisaged doing when I was, was older. But after art college, it, it, you know, just the need to get money or whatever just sure. meant, meant that I, I was doing all sorts of fairly mundane, sometimes quite manual work. And then I think it was about 10 years ago, I, I managed to get a job in the probation service, which as a probation service officer. So, you know, it's a good job. I enjoyed it. It's obviously it's quite stressful and, yeah. and what have you. But they were brilliant. I was worried because it's classed as a civil servant. So obviously I have to abide by the um, yeah. strict civil servant. You know, I'm I a, a former civil servant <laughs> myself. Oh, right. So, yeah. So you'll know the, yeah. the limitations in, in what I can... So when I was originally making these um, on my phone and, and putting them on the, the Twitter site, I kept anonymous and I did so up till quite late really and, and people were wondering whether or not I was doing it to be a kind of mysterious Banksy type. Yeah. But I wasn't, I just didn't want to get the sack from work. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I think I did a my first interview um, with, with uh, Andrew Mayo, did one for The Guardian and then I did one at Channel 4. Um, but no one picked up on it. No one obviously watched Channel 4 News, it, but the probation service. But it got to the point where I, my manager was great and she didn't know anything about it. But then I explained and she was actually saying, oh, look, you've got to go for this. Far more support than my wife, actually. <laughs> <laughs> my wife was, understandably, she, you know, we get the regular salary. Giving all that up was a risk, but manager at work saying no just just go for it you're not going to get a, a chance like this again so she um managed to to get me a, a year's career break so you see where you're yeah. at next year i guess yeah hopefully I've, I've, i can manage to to actually say it's a career i still can't get used to um saying oh what's your profession oh, i'm an artist you know that still <laughs> sounds a bit pompous to me but it's i mean it is what i am at the moment i read an article about that time that Time magazine front cover, which is just incredible, that you had to fight for the inclusion of Phil Mitchell, Cilla Black and Bungle in the artwork, <laughs> which is a, just about like my favourite sentence ever. <laughs> I had to fight for Bungle. 
That it's just wonderful. Yeah, it's not something you don't ever expect to see. You, you really it's don't. Saying that they had to fight tooth and nail to ensure that Bungle wasn't omitted from Time magazine. <laughs> it's it's just and I and you just like I can imagine how these conversations must have played out with with you know some American editorial kind of bods. But how do you pick the characters? Is there anyone who's kind of off limits? That's always a tricky one to explain, and it's because with the rise in, in the popularity of everything that I do, I'm, I'm conscious of not, I don't know if selling out is the right word, but becoming too sanitised or safe. Or mm. So I do try and keep it fairly absurd and in parts pretty bad taste, but always, I think always punching up rather than down um, when I'm trying to take these uh, figures down. But I have a, an internal thing where I, which is difficult to explain, but on one hand, I'll, I will have Harold Shipman in a piece. Then I won't have Tommy Robinson, Stephen Lackey-Yemen. Then, and it's all, you know, Harold Shipman's actually you know, one of the UK's most prolific serial killers. But I don't know where, how I justify in that it's okay to do that, but then not. The other, but I think some like Katie Hopkins and Tommy Robinson, I don't put them in because I don't want to give them any oxygen or, or yeah. any, you know, even though it would be in a, a bad portrayal of them in my scenes, I just don't want them in there. Basically, they're the only ones really that are, that are fairly off limits. But other than that, anything anything goes really. I've particularly enjoyed some of the football managers that have <laughs> yeah. made it in in sort of uh, times of of managerial woe. Perhaps the uh, sort of <laughs> You know, the spiral of Jose Mourinho was particularly yeah, enjoyable. A, a disgruntled Jose Mourinho, yeah. always good. And Sam Allardyce is the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, yeah. Really. I mean, from an aesthetic point of view, he looks right for the part. But then <laughs> in my ones, he's always tucking into a Frey Bentos pipe, <laughs> which is <laughs> which just adds a certain um, gravitas to the piece, I think. But Absolutely. As each week goes by, there seems to be an old school English football manager that, that comes out in favour of Brexit or, or whatever, so you know, in they go. Hey there, in case you missed our last London show on International Men's Day, which sold out, humble brag, and in case you can't make it to our Newcastle show on January the 12th, which has also sold out, humble brag you may be interested to note that we have another gig our final gig of the year in fact on december the 11th at king's place in london and we're going to be joined by she of psychoville back to life and episodes fame the fantastic daisy haggard and also tiff stevenson to complete the lineup so that's fantastic news so get yourself a ticket for that and maybe get everyone you know a ticket for it as well for a uh, lovely little christmas present that's right give the gift of lols you can do that by checking out our website www.standardissuepodcast.com yeah i mean they're, they're quite sort of political pieces really but in a in a sort of fairly absurd way it's said yeah. a lot at the moment that there's no such thing as satire anymore because basically just you know the most mad stuff is happening you can't you almost can't satirize things anymore and people who i genuinely consider to be you know genius basically i've i've heard say it's like armando ianucci chris morris you know how do you manage it how do you keep thinking up these new ways to kind of present the world 
It is fertile ground at the moment. I mean, it's just you know, every day there seems to be something, you know, a new picture of Jace, Jacob Reeves Mog doing something. Or Boris Johnson, I mean, he just, I mean, he always has been, a, you know, such a gift for uh, anyone doing this kind of work that I do. And since he's become Prime Minister, he's continuing to, to mm. do so. I mean, it's, I think he, he visited the Tetley Tea Factory yesterday. So then everyone's sending me pictures of him sat with the workers and he just looks horrified. Um, <laughs> You know, and then he's at a crisp factory, and he's or pulling this enormous ball, or you know, every every day is a, a fresh picture opportunity, which I either use and, and think, well, where can that sit, or you know, because I have lots of sketches and backgrounds and part done pieces, and and sometimes I think, well, that, yeah, I've got that one that I was working on a while ago where that would fit in quite nicely, and so it's just just sitting and on my iPad, just sketching and and putting different things in different places and seeing what. What, what works really and so you've been doing a bit of work recently with led by donkeys who are a campaign organization sort of exposing i guess really the the hypocrisy of the people at the moment who are sort of pushing for brexit and and whatnot how's it been getting involved with that yeah that was brilliant so there's been two collaborations i did a billboard at um, glastonbury festival and it's Carl, my manager, Carl Gosling, that I think got in touch with Led by Donkeys. And, and because they, they were obviously someone that I've admired from afar. Because it felt like there wasn't, with all the hypocrisy and everything that's going on, it's so frustrating. And, and, mm. and I mean, I can try and get my point across in an absurdist way. But, but there didn't seem to be that many people calling it out for what it was i mean the most of the, the press the written press anyway are, are pretty much pro-brexit or, or right wing and it just felt that there was no one calling these these people out so led by donkeys in such a way that they were doing it was was brilliant and when they said that they'd love to do something that was you know i was, I was, I was thrilled with that and and they're lovely people and and they're, they're continuing to do the, the good work and the recent piece was i haven't actually seen it but it was on the entrance to blackwall tunnel mm. and it's enormous what i've read is that one of the reasons this sort of came about in the first place was the brexit referendum and the sort of despair really that you felt about that and you've been very open about your own sort of mental health struggles i was wondering because of the way that you present these kind of you know, as you call them, hellscapes. And mm. for your work as a probation officer, you must have seen many, many young men struggling with their own mental health problems. Do you sort of think that this, the current political climate, the anxiety around it all, the sort of 24-hour news cycle, do you think that sort of seeps into our lives? Yeah, it has, and it, and it does. And it did, I mean, I, you know, I've said previously that me even starting the the Cold War Steve thing came about as a, a coping mechanism for me following a, a pretty dark period and with my mental health. But, I mean, when the Brexit results were coming in, it was just, you know, I was just filled with such deep anxiety, whereas before I may have coped with it in a fairly negative way. Now I, I, was, I felt lucky in a way because I had this platform that I'd established with my work on Cold War Steve and, and to be able to to vent some of those anxieties or, or to deal with them in an artistic way definitely helped me me through it. But, but I mean, the ongoing news and turmoil and, and 
hypocrisy and lies and, and scaremongering. It, it, it does seep through and it does affect people. You know, even my young daughters are here bits and pieces and they say, are we still going to be able to go on holiday? And, and you know, what's going to happen? We're going to run out of food and, and things like that. And it's, it's, it's worrying. And it's all just completely unnecessary, of course. Mm. <laughs> we don't have to do this. My work, you know, I've worked obviously with, with lots of individuals that had, had difficulties through mental health or, or drug misuse, often both, um, hand in hand. So I also saw firsthand the, the impact of austerity as well, cutting of services. So the aftermath of austerity coupled with the anxieties of, of, of Brexit and another general election, it, it's it's understandably going to impact people negatively, which is why, in a way, I, with my pieces, I always try and make them funny. Although I want them to, to convey a message, I also want them to be, be funny and, you know, gallows humour almost, I suppose, mm. in, 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 in lifting people's spirits. But the great thing with Twitter is that, you know, the immediacy of, when, of how I can get a piece of work out there, but also the feedback from my audience on there definitely helps me and, and hopefully it helps others as well. It's, it's a big following on there, but, you know, I always read or, or try and, and read the comments and, and they're always hilarious or funny or, or insightful. And, and I don't name any of the pieces that I put up. I used to, but I don't anymore because I like people to to come up with names themselves because they're much better at it than I am. There's a, an understanding with each other and, and we're all struggling possibly mentally to comprehend what's happening in the country, but but also we're, we're all able to, to laugh at the, the people responsible with some hope that it will, will get better. But, you know, there's there's people that maybe aren't feeling so good and a bit of a low time, and, and I always say, you know, direct message me if, if you ever need a, a chat or anything, and, and then other people will, will look out for each other. And, and Twitter obviously can be a, a pretty toxic place, but I think if you're with the, the, the right people on there, it's actually a, a, a wonderful support network and, and contact with, with people that can get you through. Because I... Where I am in Birmingham, the predominantly Brexit supporting, so you can feel maybe I'm, maybe, you know, am I mad? Are they, you know, is, is someone like Mark Francois really good? <laughs> is he, is he dark, like a, a little poisonous dwarf, farty little man? Maybe I'm wrong, but then you can go on Twitter and obviously that you, you can see that you're not alone in those thoughts, and that that's always reassuring. I feel like as We've been talking about this a bit on the podcast recently, the number of MPs, just the sheer number of MPs who are standing down now. And who can blame them? Because I would not want to be doing this shit. So, like, but they seem to be the kind of, like, relatively sane ones. (laughs) So I'm quite... Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. I'm quite worried that all we're going to be left with is basically... Mark Francois and and that guy with the mad hair, whose name I can't remember. (laughs) Uh, Fabrican. Oh no, oh him, but also there's another one who I had never heard of until about two weeks ago. Literally no idea. But then I hadn't heard of any of them because no one had ever bothered to talk to them anymore because they were like sane people to talk to. Someone like Mark Francois wouldn't have come on anyone's radar, would they? Of course. And this guy who was described as, I think he's Sir someone or other, who a friend of mine described on Twitter as the psychotic supply teacher or something like that. He has like a a real look in his eyes um, of wrongdoing. But anyway, <laughs> that, that's all we're going to be left with. So you 
they're going to have a lovely time. There's going to be, you know, there's the, as you say, it's very fertile ground right now. <laughs> it is. The good ones are, or the, the more sane ones are, are jumping shit. Conservatives have, have lurched to the far right and, and the, the moderates are leaving and the Labour Party possibly lurching to the far left and the, again, the more central moderate politicians are, are, are going. But it's, it's certainly not getting any... Uh, better is it it's not getting any more stable no um, and i don't think that the election isn't going to sort anything out i don't think it's probably going to create even more confusion but that's why again i'm, I'm, I'm glad i'm doing what i'm doing because if i was still just doing the day job and watching all this unfold i i don't know how i'd um, kind of come to terms with it really i have to say that you know among among the madness and yeah i personally feel like it is quite you know it, it does make me feel quite anxious what's going on mm. at the moment so a lot of the time annoyingly i can't really because of my job i sort of have to know what's going on in the world but i will take a week where i'm just like i'm not going to look at the news until i sort yeah. of have to yeah. because i can't because it's changing so quickly and also it just it yeah it just makes me anxious so i have to say that cold war steve is like a little ray of light <laughs> In the uh, in the Twitter ray of feed, dystopian lights. A little ray of dystopian lights in in quite a dystopian Twitter feed, frankly. Yeah, very much. Right now, so thank you very much for doing what you do. And I have to ask you, have you got anything sort of coming up next that we can look forward to? Yeah, the surreal adventures of Cold War Steve continue on Sunday when I've when I'm off to Las Vegas. Oh wow! Yep, because I did the time magazine cover someone from it's a big uh, media corporate event that's happening in las vegas and they wanted me to go and speak and i said well yeah if me and carl get the, you know if we can have the flight tickets and accommodation and, and whatever and then they come back and said yeah that's fine i was like wow <laughs> so i'm doing the 20 minute talk and, and that'll be great but as we've got a few days there i'm gonna try and do something in the desert we're looking for a, a big billboardy type thing, or just I've, I've done a special piece to put up in Las Vegas, which I think will look great. So that's the next thing, uh, breaking America. So uh, by the time this goes out, because it's going to go out on the week of International Men's Day, that that will have happened. Yeah, so that should be should be in, in play. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. That's that sounds amazing. <laughs> so so Cold War Steve never appealed to me Las Vegas really. It, you know. I've, not appealed at all but now i'm thinking yes oh i think it's it's absolutely the right place See? but then other than that is the the new book and then there's christmas advent calendars and thousand piece jigsaws yes i've seen all this so where can we get our hands on any of these if we if we want to they're on the online store coldwallsteve.com i think it's quite <laughs> funny to, to imagine all these people over the festive season trying to find trying to find, trying to find <laughs> trying to find uh, Sam Allardyce's head a beautiful scene the hellscape one I'm absolutely there for it wonderful stuff <laughs> where can listeners follow you on Twitter and Instagram if they don't already and I'm sure most of them do to be honest but if not <laughs> where can they find you Cold War Steve on, on Twitter at Cold War underscore Steve or, or something like that but Instagram and Facebook just Cold War Steve <laughs> I wish you the very best of luck. Please keep doing what you're doing. It is, it is fantastic. And thank you oh, so thank much. You. It's much appreciated. Thank you.
Hello, Hannah here. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. Standard issue for all women.